Good morning. Goeiemorgen. My wife says I must take off my cap. I trust you all had a, a good week, um, albeit a challenging week, but I trust coming out of it with um, a new week that lies ahead, you can declare with me that it is well with your soul. Um, thank you, thank you, Dave and, and Joel and Carol for leading us in worship this morning. Um, it is so much in sync, I believe, with what God wants to say to us today. Now, I would usually take a moment to introduce the the aspect that we will be looking at, but because um, it's a it's a portion of Scripture that I believe is particularly relevant. For the season that we are in, um, I think we'll get right into it. So we're going to be looking at a psalm. I don't know if it's a if it's a really popular psalm. I don't think so, and I don't believe it's a psalm that presents us with with anything that is dynamically new. But what the psalm does do is that it reinforces for us uh, something that we already hold to be true. Um, but before we read the psalm. Um, I want to take a moment to introduce the author of the psalm to us this morning. As I believe, just understanding where these words come from will build for us a more detailed mental image as we read through the psalm this morning. So the psalm we're going to look at is Psalm 73. And it's a psalm that was authored by somebody named Asaph. And Asaf authored about 12 psalms that would have been incorporated in worship, in temple worship. And Asaf was a prominent Levite um, singer, but he was also a seer. So Asaf also had the gift of the prophetic. And he, was, he found himself in King David's court, and he would have been part of the tribe of Levi. And we read more details about him in the book of First Chronicles. Now, the Levites had the responsibility over aspects of tabernacle or temple worship. And Asaph was someone who had been commissioned by David to be in charge of singing in temple worship. And so he served in this official ministry capacity for several years. In fact, Asaph started by serving King David, and then he also went on to serve David's son, King Solomon, in the temple. So Asaph was essentially a worship leader, somebody maybe like Dave or, or Joel or, or Andrea. And so maybe picture in your mind's eye the, the Ark of the Covenant being brought in. And right at the front of this parade of people bringing in the Ark of the Covenant would be musicians and singers, and Asaf would be up there in front, leading them in. And so with that picture in our minds of the person who put these words together, let's read this psalm that was written about 3,000 years ago, but I believe is still relevant for us today. So this is what it says, a psalm of Asaf. Surely God is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. 
their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely, you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom am I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. I think this whole psalm is a prayer that reflects an experience in trying to understand God's goodness towards those who wholeheartedly love him and are devoted to him versus God's apparent goodness to those who are not committed to him and in fact despise God. Asaf's words here are a prayer about a difficult life experience that he has had and it gives pride of place as we read through it to Asaf's feelings to his emotions. It gives pride of place to his intellect and the spiritual crisis that he finds himself in. And part of Asaf's processing through all of that actually includes some doubt. And it includes questions and wrestling with the truth. And so I view this particular psalm as a resource for us when we find ourselves in phases in our lives, and I would imagine the phase that we find ourselves in right now is one just like that, uh, 
when we may be questioning God's goodness to those who are devoted to him. And let me say that if you perhaps aren't in that space right now, just give it some time. And so my prayer this morning is that this portion of scripture will help us to process some of the emotions that we have today. To process some of the questions and perhaps doubts that we have for the season that we find ourselves in now. So the psalm for me is quite profound because it comes from someone who has already acknowledged the sovereignty of God. Yet the circumstances of life appear to have pushed them to a place of questioning again. And so I'm glad actually that Asaf went through this. And I'm even more glad that he responded to God's guiding in actually recording his experience because we gain from it today. So Asaf begins the psalm with a simple declaration of the goodness of God to his people. He says, surely God is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. Now in the context of the words that follow after that, it appears as though there could be an aspect of uncertainty in that phrase when Asaf says that. Maybe even sarcasm. Um, like maybe he could have said it, surely God is good? Um, based on what Asaf had seen. You know we have that... Um, We've got that saying amongst one another. God is good. <laughs> and all the time. And we say that without even thinking. And so Asaf uses that line in the way that we use it. He says, God is good. A line that I think most religious people know and they say. But I think in the context of what we encounter here, there's something more to it. There's a depth to God, to Asaf saying that God is good. And I think there's a difference between someone who just became a believer saying God is good versus someone who has had years and years of walking and following God saying that God is good. And so I believe when I, when I read the first line of the psalm that Asaf is making an anchor statement. Not as someone who questions God's goodness, but as someone who has learnt of God's goodness through experience. And then he starts to tell of his situation. Now Asaf knew what he said about God in the first verse was true. Yet there was another truth that disturbed him greatly. And this truth made him almost stumble and lose his foothold. It made his steps nearly slip. And he actually uses interesting language to describe this experience that he has. Now, as we came walking in here on the field, I doubt that any of us would have slipped or possibly lost your foothold on flat ground. I doubt that. But the language that Asaf uses there describes for us his experience his, of his spiritual journey being an upward climb. An upward climb that is steep 
and he's definitely not a walk in the park, a walk on flat grass. And so I think that following God is a challenge that has inclines and difficulties, that has challenges. And so Asaf says here, in his journey of following God, he came to this point where he nearly lost his foothold and he almost slipped. Those of us who enjoy hiking or climbing, I know Chris likes bouldering. We all know that before you take off, you actually plan your route. You don't just start walking. Last week, <laughs> last week, um, Cindy and I had the privilege of going to the Drakensberg, and, and we, we actually found ourselves taking the wrong route. And we went for about an hour and a half in the, in the wrong direction. And so as I was reading through this, I thought to myself, yeah, we should have planned better. But you know, when you, whenever you, when you take on a journey, you're always planning the route in advance. And so similarly so for Asaf, even when you are following someone, there is some planning that is going through your mind. You are noting what line is this person following? Where are they placing their hand for some secure um, uh, support? And Asaf says that even though he's following God along this upward climb, he came to a point where he nearly slipped and he nearly lost his foothold. And this is how Asaf is explaining his journey of moving along, but then his attention is diverted by this possible slip. Now, I think we can relate very strongly to Asaf's journey. Just think about it for a minute. We were happily moving along, following God, climbing, moving. But then something happened. COVID happened. And it caused so many people to slip and to lose their foothold. And so I think that we can relate very strongly to this journey that Asaf is describing for us here with the language that he uses. And so I would hazard a guess and say that for some of us here today, I think a number of us are there. We nearly slipped. We nearly lost our foothold. And I believe that most seasoned believers today will say that they might be having an experience very similar to that of Asaf. And then in the next verses, as we continue to work through the psalm, Asaf moves from metaphor to reality. Asaf knew that God was good to Israel and to the pure in heart, but it also seemed that God was good to the boastful and the wicked. Asaf saw the same troubling evidence that many of us see in our own lives. Many people cannot deny that God is good to them, but it also seems that God is good, and perhaps too good, to the boastful and the wicked, in the words of Asaf. Now what's key here, I think, as we look at how Asaf words it, is that it's something that Asaf saw. It was an experience. 
It wasn't an academic thought. It wasn't Asaf trying to wrangle theology. This was a real life experience for him. It was what he saw. And he saw the prosperity of the wicked. And in the original Hebrew word that was used in the text there, a word that I think we all know quite well, Asaf saw the shalom of the wicked. Asaf saw that the wicked were experiencing abundance. They were experiencing harmony. There was a sense of wholeness amongst those who were wicked. And he saw people who were self-promoting, self-important, abusive, selfish, people who had worldly thoughts. He saw these people doing really well. And these people seem to have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong, he says. They seem to have none of the common burdens that other humans have. And this troubled him and he wrestled with it. And then in verse 13, he actually questions his own decision of being a follower of God. And he says there, that keeping his heart pure was in vain. He asks that question. He wrestles with it. I see all these people doing so well, but here I am and I'm following God. Is it even worth it? Seeing people who deny God prosper, while someone who submits to the authority of the living Lord appears to be suffering. And these are his emotions. These are the feelings that he has inside. And he says, thankfully, he didn't share that with the people who he was ministering to, or they might have fallen themselves. You know, such, such deep questions cause us to question the moral order of the universe. After all, one could ask, now, what good is there in being good? If this is the outcome, if the wicked enjoy the same prosperity as the pure in heart, then what is the reward of godliness? If God is in control of things, the plan, the plans of the wicked should fail. And in fact, they should even be punished openly. The godly alone should prosper. But that's not what Asaf was seeing. That was not his life experience. You know, and I don't think it's what we see either. We see people who we don't think should be getting rich, getting rich. We see people who we don't believe should be decision makers on behalf of other people, making decisions on behalf of other people. We see people going into hospital and walking out of hospital who we in our own minds, in our own emotions and thoughts, we wrestle with that and we think maybe that person shouldn't be able to walk out of hospital, but maybe that person should. It seems that Asaf had been taught that the good always prosper and that the wicked don't. But here now, Asaf wasn't seeing this in his own experience. 
and there was this conflict within him. And I think for some of us, we have that conflict when we are, when we are by ourselves, when we, when we are in our, our quiet room and we're, we're wrestling with these things. We, I think we share what Asaf is feeling in the, in the psalm, yeah? And then as we go through the psalm, we see that Asaf spends many verses describing the prosperity of the wicked, but then he gets to a point of processing his situation. And he comes to a new perspective. And I want to list the process as three points. In verse 16, we see the whole idea of trying to understand his experience. To him was a wearisome task. And it troubled him deeply until he came to the sanctuary of God. Until he came to the temple. The holy place where God's people came to gather for worship. It was only when he came together with other believers in fellowship that he was able to make sense again of the questions that he was wrestling with. And so he found resolution in the company of believers. He was immersed in this negative fog. He was immersed in this negative space. But then he took himself and he immersed himself in the company of other believers. Now we don't know what that might have been like. The psalm doesn't tell us. Did he, did he sing? Did he study scripture? We don't know. The psalm doesn't really tell us that. But it was his presencing himself in the company of others that helped him come to resolution. Secondly, when Asaf went to the sanctuary of God, it helped him because he was able to connect with eternity. Something that made him understand the end of the wicked. Something that helped him understand what actually was going to happen to those people who he was watching and observing. He didn't need to go to the house of God to hear about the news of the day. Or the same talk that one would hear in the marketplace. He wasn't there for that. Or the kind of talk that he would have at, at his office. Asaf was in a space where he needed to hear the ultimate truth. The relevance of eternity to his life. And it was Asaf's move to immerse himself in a community of faith experience that helped him. And then it was the words of truth that were proclaimed at the temple that washed over him, that reminded him that God had actually set the wicked on a slippery surface and he would deal with them. It's interesting how he words that. In, in the beginning, he, he describes his own walk as an as a upward climb, but he's making progress and then he gets to a point where he nearly slips. But for the wicked... They are placed on slippery ground. And so there's a difference in Asaf's understanding as he positions himself in the space where he gets eternal perspective on where he is at. But then there's something very important that Asaf realizes, and that's from verse 21 onwards. And I think it's very important. And, and for me, it's probably the highlight of the psalm. 
Asaf essentially realizes that God's presence was always with him. And God's presence was there in what seemed to be his absence. And God's presence in his perceived absence was at work quietly bringing him closer and closer unto himself. Working to bring Asaf closer to himself, even when Asaf thought of himself as a brute beast. God was with him, holding him by his right hand. And so let me say to you this morning, if you believe that God is distant today, take courage in the fact that God is not. That God is present. And just because we may not hear him, doesn't mean that he's not there. And it does not mean that he is not at work either. As we conclude, I think this psalm shows that having doubts like Asaf is not incompatible with responsible Christian living. It may have been true, as he says, that his feet had almost slipped, but they hadn't actually slipped. Or at least they had not slipped so far as to make him forget his responsibilities as not only a follower of God, but as someone who had been called and set apart by God. And so for Asaf, this wasn't an experience of him saying, oh my word, I'm not a good follower of God. Or how can I possibly have these feelings of doubt? Or how can I question God's goodness? It wasn't that for Asaf. That was not his experience. His anchor statement was always the fact that God is good. But for Asaf, it was a moment of spiritual growth. And you know, spiritual growth is not often a pleasant experience. There's wrestling, there's questioning, there's leaving behind something that you thought or that you held to be true so that you can embrace the ultimate truth.